All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I am Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by Halbridius, a.k.a. Hal, a.k.a. Jake. We have a special guest today, again. Uh, he plays in goal. That makes him a keeper. It's Nate Parks! It gets better the third time around, Jake, but I appreciate it. <laughs> two! Two! <laughs> I know, I second know. Second time, second time. I've only done that bit one recording we gotta before. Pee- we gotta we gotta keep people guessing, man. We can't we can't reveal <laughs> the process to the, the folks at home. How the bread is made. So today we're gonna be talking of course about uh, the end of the Euro twenty twenty one, Euro twenty twenty, whatever it's called, uh, competition. Um, in which Italy won in a kind of entertaining final over England. We're gonna go over the our top players of the tournament and the top game. So without further ado, let's jump in. Alright. So First question for you guys. Did the best team win the tournament? Uh, yes. I'd probably say so, yeah. Yep. At least, uh, at least in terms of character. The be- I don't know. I would say the best team of the tournament won. Is it the most talented team on paper? No. But the best team of the tournament won, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd how, say that. Oh, go ahead, Jake. How, how good do you think they uh, match up with some of our other international tournament winners and in, in big international teams? Recently? I would say they're... I mean, the, I would especially say with some of the recent like World Cup winners in Germany and France, like I would say I would take them over Portugal when they won in the last European final. I'd rather have this Italian team over the Portuguese team. But beyond that, I mean, the World Cup winners in France and Germany were like far and away dominant in those tournaments. So Our, I don't think a case can be made about this Italy team being better on, than them, but. I'll take them over that front or that Portugal team. Are we including are we including Copa America teams in that? I was just about to ask. How do you feel about Brazil, oh. Argentina, <laughs> Chile? Yeah, I mean, so that's that's a topic. I'm I'm sure for a different. We we'd include the American, te- you know, the North American teams uh, if any of them I were wouldn't. relevant. But... I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> no. um, as much as I'm a I'm, as much as I'm a shill for the United States men's national and women or men's and women's national teams, I'm not going to include them in this in this competition. Obviously, um, for my money, I think they beat. I think this Italian side, um, and and I think while Chris's point that they're not the best team on paper, I think the way that Mancini coached them is, is you know mm-hmm. one of the points that you have to make. Like this is a team of players that are on uh, very quality players. You can't denounce you, you can't denounce them for not being good players on paper. They're not the best. Like if you take each individual position one player by one player, right? I'd say probably France earns that spot. Maybe England. Um, you could make an argue argument for maybe even Belgium. I think Italy, together as it a is system, not what? <laughs> so it is not England. It is not England. I, hey, 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 no. hey! I have to give a little bit of love there. But however, I think as a as a system team, right? They played together as a unit rather than a group of individuals, and I think that's why you saw some of the other like quote unquote more talented teams on paper fall out earlier. So I think that this Italy team, if we're taking that comparison, I think they beat out. I think they beat out that Portuguese team from 2016. I agree with you on that one, Chris. I think they beat out the France mm-hmm. team from the year prior. I don't think there was a good enough challenge there for that France team to actually come out. And um, I don't know. It, I, I think it'd be a really good matchup. I'd like to think Italy wins over that French team from 2018. Um, the Germany team from 2014, interesting. Uh, and I'm sure we could debate that all day. But, I mean, just very much a credit to Mancini for coaching that team as a unit rather than trying to bring out individual players to make something work. So, 
Yeah, I think Mancini had an amazing job coaching in this tournament, and all the credit to him because I feel like he was kind of the linchpin that kind of made this team better than the sum of its parts. Was his kind of especially? I think you saw it in the final where he coached circles around Southgate. So Jake, you can continue. Well, I was gonna say I think you guys are underrating the team a bit. Like on paper, this Italy team has two of Italy's best center backs ever, and this is you know Italy. <laughs> It, you know, until Spinazzola went down, they had, you know, one of the players of the tournament on the left. They have, uh, like, strikers that in Serie A are just, like, exceptional. Prolific, yeah. You know, a, a midfield that, like, just about everybody should be jealous. Like, I think part of this is, like, the, the fact that none of us really are Serie A watchers. That we kind of underrate the talent on this Italy side. This Italy side is stacked. I take them over Argentina, Brazil pretty comfortably. I'm pretty happy with that. Oh yeah, hundred ten percent. I would I would do the I, same as well. I just I I think Belgium is maybe the only team on paper that I'm taking that that I'm considering taking over them at this point. Even over France, mostly because France doesn't have a left back or right back worth a damn at this point. Which in the current game is incredibly important. <laughs> is, for those is of you who are not important. For those of you who are not <laughs> super well invested in soccer, the, the growth and evolution of the fullback is a, uh, a very important very important fixture in today's modern game. But I don't know, Jake. Um, I, 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 I tend to agree with you on that one. I do think that that Italian team player by player is very underrated. I think a lot of people don't watch this area. I don't think they understand, like, how good Lorenzo Insigne is and like the record breaking season that Cherry Immobile had like last I think it was last okay. year where he beat Hot Ronaldo. Take. Hot take. Insigne was actually the best player for the opposition in several games this tournament. <laughs> Ooh, he was okay. really extremely selfish and bad and predictable. He was a bit wasteful, and I will say. I I made the joke on Twitter. It didn't turn out to be correct because they did tweak it in the second half but i joked that this is the first time we've never seen the italian right wing show up to a game because the they just played through insignia even though federico chiesa is incredible on the right mm-hmm. and that's where he gets most of his action for his club they're just like no no we'll watch insignia dribble not cross cut back to his strong foot and then do nothing because everyone anticipates it my ancestors like are screaming 12 times at in a your, row. Uh, my ancestors are screaming at your pronunciation of Chiesa, but that's okay. <laughs> Don't care. I love him anyways. <laughs> no, he's a phenomenal player. Um, you thought he was a right back earlier. I did. No. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I mean, all I saw from him was on the right side. And the, the thing is, like, that should tell you kind of how how much the position is blended for, like, the, the, the wing back idea of a player. And you saw that with Bakayo Saka as well for England with mm-hmm. how versatile a player he is. And Jake, I, I know that's a tangent I could easily get you get you lost on. Um, yeah, we could spend a half hour on this. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that's one of the unique things about this tournament is I think people are starting to really realize the – usually, like, if we go back into football history, and I, I guess that's where I spend quite a bit of my time – sorry, soccer history. The three-back the three back defense, which was seen very heavily throughout the tournament by multiple teams, not just, not just Italy – is historically a very Italian fixture, right? A lot of teams in either England or or Spain or, or France or Germany traditionally use four players in defense, or at least in a traditional defense, right? A four back. And this tournament really saw a lot of teams adapt to that three in the back where two wing backs could either go forward or drop back into a five to make a defense. And I think a lot of teams really showed that. And so I, I find that as kind of the, the tactical 
like celebration of this tournament was really the the coming out party for the three four three. But um, Jake, I'll turn that over to you. We've seen it in um, you know the Champions League, right? The Champions League was two three four threes up against each other. Uh, we've seen it in like Nagelsmann's Leipzig, for example, has been a three at the back system, and it's interesting because uh, like Mikel Arteta used a three at the back for Arsenal. And all I heard constantly was, oh, it's a defensive formation. It's a f-. And it's like, no, actually what we're seeing is <laughs> we're adding an attacking player, right? you got two wingbacks, and the rest of the people are playing centrally. That's more than the four defensive players we used to see, right? You, your traditional yeah. like 4-4-2, those fullbacks are really kind of not getting forward. Yeah, they're, because... They're whipping in deep crosses at, at best. Yeah, and you have a... And that, that's the other mm-hmm. thing, too, is you don't have that extra center half to sit back and help defend on a counterattack, right? You've got that... Right, you, and you can take that, that six and move him much more forward and let him play much more progressively. Yep. So uh, we've definitely seen the 3-4-3 come out in, in a big way. Um, it's out of the closet. I want to save... Though. I want to save the English lens of this game for later because uh, there's a lot of takes about how England got through this tournament and frankly I don't think there are many positive takes about how England came through this tournament despite <laughs> how England has reacted to this tournament because if you listen to the English media they think this has just been brilliant the whole way through and I think that's laughable but uh, I want I want to move on to what were your favorite games of the tournament all right, who wants to start? Uh, are we going from the top? Are we going from the bottom? How are we doing? Um, do we want to <laughs> top? Do we want to split this up? I guess I don't know. I I have I have quite a few. This has been one of the more memorable international tournaments. I mean, I put down five that I could say. I kind of had like a ranking of my top five. So, well, let's get start with one. Yeah, let's get your number one. Let's get your number one, Chris. All right. So number one for me, I feel like this might be a bit of a hot take, but for me, it was. The France Switzerland game, in I which France, I don't think that's a hot take at all. No, no. I, I I think it's more just to put it at the very top. I I think anyone would say it was one of the top games of the tournament, but I feel like everyone's always biased towards saying the final, as long as it's not a snorefest, should be at the top. So for hot me, hot take: the final is a snorefest. <laughs> ah, that's a bit of a hot take. I mean, that one I agree with. We had we if had it, an interesting environment to watch it in, but yeah, it's a yeah. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll get to the final later, at closer to the end. Yeah, but. The, it, we had a, like sixty eight percent possession or something for Italy. That's a snore fest. You can continue. I mean, a little bit, but we're, it was, we're on we're on France Switzerland now. Yeah, we are in France Switzerland. Right, we'll, which, we'll get back to that later. But all right, for France Switzerland, of course, the Swiss started out. They took the early lead, kind of the shocking early goal, and then Benzema comes in, Jake's favorite player in all of soccer, scores harsh. two goals like right in a row. What harsh that. Uh, Just because I hard. actually rate him. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I the like only person who rates fan. Benzema, therefore. Anyway, so Benzema scores two it's goals, like and then Pogba piles on. Before. Yeah, you do like your French players. <laughs> Pogba scores the third goal, or to pile him up 3-1. Not just, in the, not just a goal, sir. He pulled up from like Syria oh, yes. and put one in the top corner. It was insane. He pulled Don't up mention about how Pogba is my favorite player because <laughs> I talk about Pogba more than I talk about. I, I think Pogba. I think you do, but Pogba, Pogba is, kind of is a lot of people's favorite player. But let's let's continue the storytelling here because there's a lot more to this than just France being up three one. 
Exactly. We're, we're just barely getting started. So Switzerland, and I believe at the 85th and the 90 plus 2, scores two more goals to, to make it uh, tied and go to extra time. And then they go 5 for 5 from penalties and had to like run into a Mbappe uh, penalty save uh, just to win it. Just a exciting back and forth penalty shootout. No one was missing. Um, until of course Mbappe miss or Mbappe's uh, shot was saved by Jan Sommer. Uh, Jan Sommer. Jan Sommer. Thank you. Jan Sommer. The the legend in the uh, Bundesliga. Yeah. Uh, just a great back and forth game. Lots of goals. Went to penalties. It checks all the boxes for me. Absolutely. An upset. Oh, upset as well. Yeah, of course. Upset. That's not even Swiss, that's, Switzerland doing it without Granite Jaka. That's downplaying it. A bit just to call it just an upset like that's one of the more historic upsets of the entire of, of a major international tournament like that it is on paper and then you realize that didier Deschamps was coaching and yeah. you realize it's not there's jake man this stuff. dude won a world cup he can't be that bad <laughs> he won a world cup with one of the most stacked world cup rosters around. he still did it i mean you have other teams that have fallen short right you have uh anyway that's yeah it. france this year i know because I he know. decided to coach it like gareth southgate i know but at the same time you have you have teams like belgium that have done that have an equally talented or you know slightly less talented roster but something that's very talented and you have belgium lost to italy italy is really fucking good i know i know and we'll get into that later however however i think the drama of this is I have to agree with Chris on this one. That was going to be my pick of the tournament as well. There's only one game where I physically stood up. like I. So, like a lot of us, we were probably watching these games at work um, on our second screens or yeah. like on your phone somewhere if you work in a, you know, in a, in a facility Y'all somewhere. You're so lucky to have a second screen. Or, you know, no, just, just a phone where, like, and, and shout out to the folks who were uh, watching legally through ESPN Plus because they gave us some of the horrendous angles to be able to watch these games. You had to cram, like, four screens onto a phone. And I'm like, I'm, like, I'm jamming my phone up to my left eye to be able to see this thing. Be able to see like some dude playing a pass to you know fullback, you know on on the, the left hand corner on my phone. But anyway, um, <laughs> this is the only game in the entire tournament that made me literally stand up and put my hands in my head and yell like, "Holy, this one holy shit, dude! Like, what the hell did I just see?" Because you would think, right, at three one up, a team that has as as good of a defense as France does, of as solid as a midfield as France does, that had just put on that epic of a comeback, you know. To be able to go, you know, because the the way this happened is, like Chris mentioned, Harris Seferovic put in a goal at 15 to kind of shock France, wake him up, right, splash him cold water in their face. And then mm-hmm. you have Kareem Benzema scoring two goals within 90 seconds of each other. Like, like the worst thing yeah. that you can possibly have happen to a soccer team. Like, if you hit two goals within Kick 90 seconds, pitch. you've killed somebody. Like, to be able to submit that, like, that many goals in such a short span of time with the fans on your side, that'll take anyone down a peg. And then for them to have one of the goals of the tournament shot on them again, right? Put them 3-1 up, and then you have to come back from that with less than 20 minutes to play. It's insane. It's it, it, it's an achievement we don't really even, like, we're not even talking about how much mental fortitude it takes to put two additional goals up on top of what Switzerland had to do right there. Right, they had to beat one of the best mm-hmm. defenses in Europe. They had to do it in 15 minutes, and they had to score two goals in order to get there. And then to win in a penalty shootout against France, a team that 
has penalty takers across Europe, right? This is a team that has guys who take penalties for their club teams, right? You've got Paul Pogba who knows how to take one. You've got Kylian Mbappe who knows how to take one. You've got guys like, uh, you've got guys like Olivier Giroud. You've guys, um, which is very strange. Now I'm looking through the, the penalty. One. I'm looking through the PK takers. Marcus Taram and Presno Kempembe were on there, which I find very interesting. However, you've got several good shots actually. What? <laughs> They had some good penalties. Yeah, in no, that no, too. no, no. Take nothing away from both of those guys. It's just not who you would expect to take penalties for this French side. No, I was like, the best I had a point ready, and I read through the penalty the takers, and it would did not, not expect. work. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jake. I talked over you. Apologies. I was going to say the best penalty in the tournament was from a guy he would never expect it from. I know. We'll, we will get to that later, my friend. Motherfucker broke a camera. Slab. Yeah, <laughs> load up slab head, dude. He broke the camera. Um, anyway. So, so, Parks, was your goal of the tournament from this game? No. 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 Okay. And, uh, I mean, there are some candidates Save that. Save for that. It, but we will talk about that one later. <laughs> but there are definitely some candidates when we get in to it. When we get Cause, to Because Pogba's strike is, is right up there with any of them. Yep. And I, as a fan of his club team, I've seen him do that a few times. <laughs> and you just, you, you kind of, it's, it, I liken it to Ari and Robin cutting in on the left and shooting with his left foot. Um, for some older fans, you may know who that is. Um, he's a bald guy. <laughs> Who played for Holland and Bayern for a while, and that's all I got to say. Are we old fans now? Yeah, we're old are fans. We, are we skipping over the Chelsea and the Real Madrid days because he did too? He did those too, but he <laughs> never really was famous for it until he got to Bayern. Um, but anyway, yeah. and he had hair back then, so he wasn't really a bald guy. So you're ruining my narrative, Jake. But <laughs> the point here is, um, if you kind of see Pogba pull up from 30 yards, even if he doesn't hit the target, you can't really stop him, and that's the problem. So you have to you have to take. And, and the thing is, too, and I, I know other more prevalent soccer podcasts have referenced this, too, but uh, Pogba's passing in that game has to be noted. The fact that he was just spraying the ball 70 yards and putting him on a dime every time is just understated. Like, it cannot be overstated. And I, His passing is one of those things where, like, I don't know if I had the right language to talk about it, and so I just, like, don't. Yeah, no, like, it's... I, I don't know how you cover how fucking good he is on the ball he's doing all the stuff the other sixes in this tournament did yeah three times better yeah just across the board he was the best midfielder in the tournament and we can talk about and we can talk about best players too as well um, that's definitely something we can uh, we can reference towards the end but uh yeah i think fully i think if you you if you have the ability to go back and watch france switzerland it's one of the games of the tournament it's going to be talked about for probably years whenever we reference like amazing games from international tournaments um, yeah, I, I think this favorite. was pretty much the the number one for me. Yep. Do you guys okay. have other uh, other other submissions? Just the other game that happened on the same day. You know, the other three three. Loki. <laughs> That's the one I thought you were going to go to as nah, well. I mean, both of those were phenomenal. I I I sat there watching. I was like, "There's no way in hell we can get another game like this." They just sucked all the excitement out. <laughs> we're gonna have a boring game. Nope, completely wrong. Like two of those on the same day, just unreal. That was how many goals in one day? Six. That was what? Six. Wow. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Shoot. No, yeah, no, no. Twelve. Twelve, twelve, twelve. 12. Yeah, yeah, no. Four teams scored 12? three goals 14, in the same 14. game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also had Portugal-Germany here. That was a banger. Twelve. I really enjoyed Spain-Sweden. Uh, even though mm-hmm. that was the nil-nil draw, it was a really fun Oh, yeah. Draw. That was... I actually like really enjoyed that one, the group stage game. Uh, Croatia Spain was great. Yep. Um, any game that Italy played 
I was in. Yeah. yeah all the way. <laughs> I would say uh, I had a honorable mention for Italy, Spain that included Jorginho's like <laughs> cheeky ass oh, penalty the, that I loved. The very smooth. And it had to be an Italian place. Yep. <laughs> Italian player. <laughs> um, like just very, just very Italian. That. So my honorable mentions have to go to Sweden, Poland. Um, yeah. Just because of like. I have a I have a love hate relationship with Poland because I get very frustrated with them every time I watch them play because they should be doing so much better than they do, and to see them get their their teeth kicked in at the end of the game, you know, just their heart ripped out of their chest. I thought that was pretty poetic because uh, it was just kind of an example of how they had shown up too late and kind of got their uh, you know kind of got kind of got their hearts ripped out of their chest when they had a chance to make it. So um, other than that, mm-hmm. though, I mean. Both of the games that happened on the last day of the group, Portugal 2, France 2, Germany, Hungary 2, 2. I mean, yeah. And small A lot credit, of good games. Yeah, I mean, this is just one of those tournaments that started off very slow but very much grew into itself as time went on. So There really wasn't that many games I watched where I felt in any way like this is a bad game. Like, legitimately, I think the final yeah. was one of the games I enjoyed the least in this tournament. Yep. And that's a testament... Maybe to how good the rest of them were. Yeah. But, uh, all right. But I, mean, I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, there there was a lot of very good games this tournament, especially later on uh, towards the end of the tournament. Yeah, and I'll be sad to see this one go. I mean, you just know that the next international tournament may not live up to the site, or it might. You well, never we got, know. So we got what World Cup twenty twenty two winter, right? Yep. In the place Guitar, that should maybe. not be named. Yeah, no. They're, Let's uh, not talk about that. <laughs> hey, they're playing the Gold Cup. Uh, it makes you feel better. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Players of the tournament. Let's move on before Jake dies. <laughs> I, I'm struggling, man. Cold leg um, symptoms, huh? Yeah. It's, this it's is a flu game. It's a it Jordan is. game. Players of the tournament. <laughs> what are your what are some names? Hit me with some names. Parks running first. Yeah, um, I you guys are probably gonna call me Homer for this, but I honestly really liked Luke Shaw's performances. Um, okay, yeah, you were gonna. Call, I was wondering what you could say that would make you seem like a Homer. Yeah, and, yeah, picking a United no, player. No, I, I thought Luke Shaw had an amazing had an amazing tournament just in general. Um, so I'm obviously a United fan, so I'm a bit biased. But that kid, I've seen him, you know, kind of blossom and, and change throughout his career. I saw him crying on a field in, in, in Holland when he when his leg was in two pieces um, after a tackle, and we never really knew if he was going to be the same player. And For him to show out like this on an international stage for me was kind of special. Um, he's definitely one of my favorite players and one of the guys who I'm just happy to see him come back from not only horrific injury, but horrific man management at the hands of Jose Mourinho. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I know he didn't win the thing, but he scored a goal in a European Cup final, um, and he's been just such a prolific member of that team. He was instrumental in a lot of their goals. So um, he's one of kind of the standouts for me, but um, to kind of switch, switch topics too, I think the, uh, and Jake, you might, you may mention this too, but I think for the Italian side, I think Chiesa was really one of the guys who stood out to me. And yes, I know, I don't know what his position is, but um, (laughs) I think that's more of a testament to how universally used he was. So. Yeah. I, I want to go back to Shaw for a second because a, what a goal! Yeah, that finish was absolute first time. Oh finish. yeah, no, I love just sublime, just outstanding technique. B, not I mean it's a homer pick because you picked it, but like not a crazy pick. Really, really good all season for United. Really good this tournament. Yep. Uh, 
like we saw the like weird Trippier experience on the left. We, that we was were just part of the Trippier experience. We bought uh, our tickets to the Trippier experience, and we got off the ride pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, no, Shaw was great, and like you can clearly see, like how he fits everything that modern fullbacks do. It, it, he just plugs so nicely into that, and it is really good to see him healthy and playing again, even if he is a United player. Yep. Um, sticking with the fullbacks for a second, Spinazzola for Italy, mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say the name is Mela for uh, uh, Denmark. Yep. Uh, Denmark. Yep. It's also. I think awesome. it's like I think it's fully pronounced male. Like chain mail, which I think is pretty pretty hard, pretty hardcore for a <laughs> cool Danish player. Great with that. You know, the, those guys like very obviously controlled their whole team's style of play. Uh, the whole games, they looked great. It was awful to see Spinazzola go down with the Achilles injury. That was brutal. Uh, Not television I'd recommend watching because <laughs> you can see no. it happen <laughs> no. in slow mo, yeah. which is the worst. Little little bit of the Kevin Durant. Uh, Achilles injury to it where you're just like you can see that one you know it's happening um, but just yeah a tournament for fullbacks they were great uh, mm-hmm. Chiesa was awesome I've been a huge Chiesa fan since like early days at Fiorentina and uh, seeing him be like the player of the season for Juventus and then come on and just clearly be like the engine for this Italy team was great mm-hmm. Especially he, he does everything yeah I was gonna say, especially amongst a team that is very, I would I would argue, kind of blessed with their forward line. I would think. I mean, Italy have plenty of players across that forward line, and Chiesa is not really a name that sticks out to you if you think traditionally Italian, but very much a. I mean, I don't know if that's right. His dad played for Italy. True, I mean, true, 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 true. But he, Italy name. He, like, yeah, no, I get this is his first. This is his first time on the Italy stage. We missed Italy in the last World Cup, so I mean, this is his international coming out party true true, true i'm not i'm not saying his like i'm not saying his name as as in like you know the name Chiesa. i'm saying like you don't really you didn't really expect to see him up in lights like he was and i agree with you i think he went very underrated at juventus this season but like you're thinking yeah. insigne immobile you're thinking you know yeah i mean he's the, the that... you're thinking you know right yeah those guys and so to have him come out like that you know all cylinders is pretty impressive yeah. Um, honestly, I didn't think that many strikers stood out to me. A, nope. a special shout out to Lukaku, of course. Yep. Because when Belgium were in it, he—I mean, just the obvious story of every Belgium game is what the hell is Big Rom doing? Because where he goes, they go. Yeah, he's running over people. Uh, That's what he was doing. The uh, Donnarumma wins Player of the Tournament. Yep, I feel like Donnarumma had to be on there. Was, was awesome in goal, was awesome in two penalty shootouts, uh, saved, mm-hmm. I think, four pens. Which is just unreal. If you, understand the, if you understand the mathematics behind that, that's unreal. Uh, a lot of keepers would be happy with four pen saves in a career. In their career, A lot yeah, of right, keepers right. would be yeah. happy with that. <laughs> I mean, uh, I do want to give a little bit of love to Jan Sommer real quick. Yes. Just because... Um, Another elite penalty kickout uh yeah, like just an elite penalty artist. And also the game against France, too. People forget how many shots France generated on target in the yeah. waning moments and extra time to try to, like, he's great. Get past. Like, 
he is he is going to be like I don't know how old he is off the top of my head, but I think he's late twenty. If someone sneaks him out of the Bundesliga, he's a steal. It's insane. This this tournament has really been like ironically because of how many goals have been scored. This is one of the most like prevalent like prevalently gold uh, I guess like goal ridden tournaments we've seen at least in the Euros. This tournament was very much defined by defense and goalkeepers. <laughs> Ironically, yeah, it, I would say very much. Yeah, so. very much, and it's 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 just, it's not what you would expect from one that's just littered with goals. And we've also summer's thirty two, summer's thirty two, and which is yep. I mean, for an athlete, it's pretty old, but like for a goalkeeper, those guys keep for no, forever. You can it's a pun, inten- six, pun intended. Years. They keep for forever. <laughs> but um, anyway, there you go. Ah, all right, he's gonna be here all week. Ah, <laughs> I'll be all. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, no, but I think. I think Donnarumma for player of the tournament is a good shout. Just two penalty shootouts to win both of them as a goalkeeper, you get one of those in your lifetime, and that's insane. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's no complaints. Nope, none sure. here, none here. A couple of other names that popped out to me: Pedri for Spain. Yes, was awesome. The, Another yep. kid who just came out and had a spectacular showing across basically all facets of the game was Spain's best midfielder. Spain's mm-hmm. best midfielder. We talk, Spain. Are we talking about like that that one the game against Italy where he had no incompleted passes for the entire ninety minutes and he ended up with two misses in extra time. He had like some stupid <laughs> figure of like ninety nine point. He had a ninety nine point nine percent like pass completion right. rate across one hundred and twenty minutes of play. And this dude wasn't just playing to his center backs. He was one of the more progressive passers in the tournament. And the he had the most progressive passes in the the game. And only missed like two, and one of them was a like terrible miscontrol from someone else that he got credited with. How old is he, Jake? Yeah, this is he's eighteen. eighteen. This was, he's eighteen. He's eighteen. This is what I was about to say. Is Pedri the young player of the tournament for you, or is there oh, someone else you would put above him? No, no, it's, no him. It's, it's him. It's him. Yeah, there's not even a doubt. It depends on how you. I would say Donnarumma has a shout, depending on how you want to consider he's, like the cutoff age. He's not that. No, well, Pedri. I mean, considering Donnarumma's pretty young. He's pretty Donnarumma young, has but... like. Five years of professional experience. Under he does. Now. Like he's yes. been a starting keeper. I mean, yeah, he is. Yeah. But like, Pedri has just one season at Barcelona. Yeah. He came yeah. out of out of the second league in in Spain. Has one season at Barcelona, and was just like maybe the third best midfielder in the tournament. Like, it's Pogba, him, and I think um, Verratti is another guy I'd give a shout for that award to. Oh, and mm-hmm. uh, Luka Modric is is somewhere like that's. The four guys I'm yeah. thinking of. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I think I think for a goalkeeper to win player of the tournament, though, quite a momentous yeah. occasion considering, <laughs> number one, how many goals they were scored, but number two, just how many shootouts we had, which were insane. Like, I, I don't remember yeah. another tournament with that many crazy shootouts, especially one in the final. So, I feel like... I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like the last World Cup had a lot of shootouts, but... Maybe that was just England. I mean, it's just because... Was it, was it England or Croatia that basically went to a shootout every single game? Um, I don't know about Croatia doing that. You may have been thinking of the Euro before that where Portugal basically drew their way to a win. I can't remember. Portugal literally... Either way. Portugal drew their way out of their group stage and then drew their way to a penalty shootout. Like You know me. I love game. penalty shootouts except for the one in the, this final. And you know me. Uh, I don't like penalty shootouts, but that's a I know you story. don't. You yeah. wanted to do some I'm goals for the tournament. Shootouts. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, sorry. First of all, sorry. I, I, I didn't get a chance to talk. First off, one more thing with Pedri that I wanted to shout out. 
which is that Pedri was born after uh, Pandev had had his first start for Macedonia. And Goran Pandev so that was a cool thing. scored. We had to throw him out here. We had to throw out some Pandev oh, love. Oh, dude, Goran Pandev, the one guy on that Napoli team in FIFA, you didn't realize where his flag was from, so you're like, oh, yeah, that, that dude's kind of weird looking, but whatever, we'll throw him in there. <laughs> no one really knew yep. what the, like, guy looked like he was Japanese because the Northern Macedonian flag is kind of like that, like... It's kind of kind of got like a Japanese vibe to it, but no one really knows where the hell that is. So, <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I had two players to kind of put in here. I think the one obvious one that I feel like was left out, or maybe I didn't hear it uh, talked about, was of course my boy Benucci for Italy. He now becomes the oldest player to score in a European Championship, and he bossed up one of the best defenses in the tournament. Um, so I thought he had a good shout. But for me personally, Chiellini and I feel better. like this. Was that? So Chiellini I mean, better. <laughs> Chiellini is... It's cut. I don't know about it's better. It's cut. close. It's Chiellini. Chiellini, boys. Come on. Come on. Cut. <laughs> to be fair, you kind of had to put them both as a pairing. With those <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a package they're, deal. They're always no, the they're two a, in a, my mind. They're a 110% package deal. Um, I would like... But Bonucci gets the credit for scoring in the final and kind of... He's got to get credit for that. I, he put them equal. Can I give credit to Chiellini for like giving Jordi Alba like the most the most love a human yes. being has ever. I mean, yeah, he, he won on the penalty shootout by himself. So, <laughs> I mean, dude, Chiellini and his big nose and his giant bald spot like you can't you can't I, hate that guy. He's just a goof. I, I legitimately can't really believe that the refs let him pick up like that's. Kind of ridiculous. I mean, but yeah, it's a like, bit weird. You, you but... should get like a yellow card for that, probably. Like bear <laughs> yellow hugging. card to start the game. <laughs> like that's that's like clearly not actually sportsmanlike kind. It's not. It's not. It doesn't matter if you're smiling. It's not. Jordy Alba's like the girl in the corner being surrounded by frat boys. Like no, no I don't think Jordy no. Alba like, consented. Do that here. lot. I don't. I don't think Jordy Alba looked very confused by what was happening. He didn't consent. He was pissed. I mean, uh, anyways, but mind but, games, and that was kind of Italy. Italy had the mentality to get through this whole tournament. That's clearly what the message here was. But sorry, Chris, back mm-hmm. back to your point you were about to make. So I feel like Benucci is probably like the very, I don't know. It felt like the obvious name that wasn't mentioned on my list. But for me personally, what I thought this is my hot take that the player of the tournament for me was Kyle Walker, who had in Walker. in six hundred minutes he committed only one foul and was dribbled past once. I think I've seen that stat like 10 times, and every time I see it, I'm just dumbfounded that you're able to go an entire tournament playing, I think, I think he had, what, seven starts? Played that many minutes and only allow one foul and let one person pass you. That was immense for the best While, while playing center fielder for extremely slow center back pairing the whole time. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so I would agree with that. I think he uh, he definitely deserves that mention, too. Um, and he... he he was immense for City too. Let's let's not let's mm-hmm. not. I I yeah. It wasn't like it was out of nowhere. No, no. Everyone it, is seeing what he's done for he, Manchester City and how influential he's been. For I them. would argue he's not the best passer out of defense, but like when it comes to sheer like you you have a job to do. This is your job. No extras. Kyle Walker is one of the best defenders in Europe. Like if you don't care yeah. about his ability to play out of defense, I think that's that 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 the ability like his ability just like. His pace, his strength, and his ability to like close down defenders so or close down attackers so quickly and then follow them through. Like that's something that's so hard for a defender to do to be able to like engage it like engage an attacker one on one and then have them get like get outside or inside of you 
and just being able to close them down and like either lock them off from that angle or hit the ball out from beneath their feet, underrated. I mean, and that England defense, as much as we want to meme them for having the easier side of the tournament, I think it is noteworthy that you do have Walker in that side kind of making up for the pace of both Stones and, and Maguire. Both excellent defenders, but neither of them very quick and able to react to you know the different types of attackers they would have faced in that tournament. So they absolutely don't have the goal record. Uh, they they get scored on pretty bad, like three or four times if Walker's not there. He's pretty much the only guy, yep. like in the world. Maybe Alfonso Davies, if Alfonso Davies is having a great day, that can do what he does defensively. Very true. That that, that speed, and it's not even the speed. His timing of when he changes gears is impeccable. Yeah. It just, he knows exactly when he has to go to meet you. You know, perfect, like, like you know, safety play yeah. in the NFL. Just has exceptional closing ability. And I think he's also way better going forward. You know, he plays through the midfield all the time. There, there are times where he's just like, nah, fuck it, I'm going to be a striker now. I just think his... And he's really good at that, too. I, I just... He's, He's a really great player. My only, my only question, my only <laughs> like thing about that too is he may he and this is like the one game that people kind of wrote off, but he made some very questionable passing decisions in the Ukraine game, and that's why I'm kind of hyper focused on that, like his ability to play out. He gave the ball away a few times that were kind of like questionable. I mean, I guess. But he I've also yeah, they were also playing Ukraine. He and also made up for it too. Like <laughs> yeah. the, I think the one time he gave it away was a. Uh, um, Yarmolenko, who had like a run on him on the left flank, and he just completely closed him down and, and sucked, like suffocated him. But that's because Yarmolenko also can't run. So true. But anyway, <laughs> there's um, that. All right. We also, I, I, I feel bad about this. We skipped some names that really shouldn't have been skipped, and that's uh, Mikkel Damsgaard for Denmark. Oh my god, that awesome. free kick, man! Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. smokes! <laughs> Put the fear of god into all yeah, of England. I know, that. dude. <laughs> Holy shit! What a free kick! The, I, I don't want to talk about Christian Eriksen, but this is a tournament where we got like way more Simon Kerr and uh, Schmeichel than I thought we were going to get. And both of them had awesome tournaments on the pitch and off the pitch and just deserve a shout-out yep. for all of it because, <laughs> the, the I, yeah, also, that could have been horrifying. Yeah, so. I mean, I think if anybody watched that opening game, I think that's the... The group stage is kind of marked by that. I mean, that's the it. opening game. I mean, the opening game. Think, think about that. It, so <laughs> not, it not like it wasn't the opening game of the tournament, though. I will say, but it was the opening game for Denmark. It 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 wasn't the opening game of the tournament, but it was like day two. It was of day the two. Tournament. Yeah, it was very early on. <laughs> it's just like something crazy like I, that happened. Yeah, we have come so far from that. If that had happened in like uh, group stage round or knockout round one or something like. Uh, everything about that is is even worse somehow. I think. It's I mean, just the one wild. the one thing to take away here is uh, the medical professionals who were attached to that stadium crew, who were attached to Denmark's team, like did their jobs. Like that's what they're there for, and they saved a man's life. Learn mm-hmm. CPR if you're out Learn there. Learn you don't already CPR. Know Learn how to use a defib. It's not hard. It's the instructions are written on the cover. Or just like if you uh, work in a place that has one, just pop it open one of these days and read it. It's actually not not too not too bad. Or if you, it's really really easy to use one. Or you could also become know where they are. Yeah, that too. It's also another thing. Know where your defibs are. 
learn how to put somebody in the recovery position. These are really basic, but they save lives. And then learn them. On top of that, too, if you're ever in the position to learn how to become a lifeguard, because that's all all that training is wrapped into that. Sorry, random yes. random plug for that. It's an easy no, way to like learn all the different all of the different components of that, like defib, CPR, CPR and in infants, all that jazz. But important important public safety aside, um, um, I will say Denmark with a surprise package, and I I honestly. Barring one dodgy penalty and an amazing save by Schmeichel, I think that they'd be in the final. So um, they were really good. I mean, I I don't know how much better they are with Christian Eriksen because Demsgaard had an incredible performance. Probably, probably better in the fact that like the reason they lost is that they subbed off uh, Demsgaard and uh, who's the striker they have? Goldberg. Um, yeah. yeah, they they like subbed them both off in like the sixty fifth minute and had no juice left, and that's where having like that extra ten to put on the field in Erickson would have been incredible. But um, let's move on to England, and where do, where do we go with England? Where do you um, want to start? <laughs> was England actually good? They were good. I will say that. I don't think they were as good as England fans thought before the final or as bad as they felt after the final. I feel like they were good, edging slightly overrated, uh, but I feel like they're going to get more shit for the easy road when they did have to beat some not-too-great teams, but still who you got to beat who's in front of you. I... I have a counterpoint to that, at least the counter argument to that. I'll play. I'll play the England fans here. Um, I thought that England, you can only beat the people who are in front of you, and I agree that hosting the tournament, basically, like hosting all of their own games, does help there. But yeah, I feel like that's something that we can talk bit. about entirely. Like I feel like that was for me one of the things to come out of this tournament was, you know, the four semifinalists all played their group stage games at home, and they all had that, you know easy start of not having to worry about traveling all over the place, traveling to like Baku and all these random places. And I felt like that played a pretty big part in kind of, you know, making teams a little bit better <laughs> moving throughout the tournament. So just a little bit, uh, you know, only, only all the finalists were, uh, yeah. all, all the, the four quarterfinal or semifinalists were all people who played most of their games at home. Yep. Mm-hmm. England, England were not that great. Uh, just they weren't and it's not because they weren't talented it's because they had a coach who decided he didn't want to be great <laughs> it's 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 all the it drives me nuts the english media's thing right now is oh uh you know they studied what it took to win tournaments of the past you know and it was like oh you got to be <laughs> uh solid defensively you can't concede anything so that's what they did they didn't gamble on anything it's like yeah they also didn't play literally any team until they got to italy that could make them pay for that. Like Germany was the one team that maybe had the firepower, and also Jurgi Lowe is just like <laughs> completely off his rocker right now and has no idea how to coach. So they weren't asked to do anything. And yes, they didn't have to do it until the final. But literally your entire strategy was, well, let's not try anything. And if we don't try anything, we can't not try anything. And then the one time you actually had to try to do something, you lost. 
you, you set yourself up for this. This is it wasn't a good tournament from from England. They weren't fun to watch, either. They just like weren't. There was not a lot of content there, except for the fact that England fans were going insane. So what I, I I just I don't yeah. I don't get it. I'll counter that though a little bit. I will say that traditionally the best defensive teams usually end up in the final. I mean, and that was the case with this tournament. The two teams that submitted the fewest goals ended up in the tournament or ended, ended up in the final, right? We look at Portugal mm-hmm. from 2016. That team was defensively incredible, very poor going forward. They drew every game they played and they ended up winning the damn thing. We look at Greece 2004, very defensively solid, horrible going forward. Literally the one underdog in, in any major tournament history that people hated. That team won it. We look at Denmark. From 19, uh, whenever Schmeichel won, I think it was 1992. That team, defensively very sound, ended up winning the tournament. You look at those teams and you say, all right, what's the defining characteristic? What's the thing that they all had, right, that made them that great? That made them, that got them to that final, right? At, 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 the, fi- like, at the end of the day, a final is one game. If you get there, you have a chance, you have any chance in the world on winning it. I realize Italy had more firepower. And that's so, the reason they won in the end. And I agree. I think Southgate horribly mismanaged a few things, including his personnel. I think he got a lot of his defensive. He he prioritized defensive stability over everything, which is understandable. Very much so, yeah. Understandable. However, I think he could have played other players at certain times. He stuck with that front three of Raheem, uh, of Sterling, Kane, and then obviously he'd swap out like Mount Foden. Um, Foden got injured towards the end of the tournament. Then you saw like Saka come on. Which, those guys, right, I agree, defensive stability is what he cared about the most. The thing is, though, you're not going to get a ton of defensive stability out of Kane, I guess. I mean, I I know he tracks back a little bit more, and I know Sterling does too, but the thing is, he was making subs so late, so, so late. Like, he was bringing on Grealish in, like, the 70th minute. He's bringing on Saka late on in games against, you know, the game against against Italy. He brought on Sancho. He brought Sancho in for basically... A game that, like anyone could played have played like in against 40 Ukraine. Forty minutes all tournament. Yeah, I mean he played the whole game against Ukraine. However, well, that's right. It's you Ukraine. Did. You did. It was right? like I that get plus you. I get. I, I. I. Going back to the earlier point, Ukraine aren't the best team in the tournament. They had a really, really good run. The the big point I'm trying mm-hmm. to make here is I don't think Southgate's idea was wrong to be defensively stable because other teams have had success. Teams that were worse than England in previous tournaments have had success with that strategy. However, with the the plethora of attacking talent he had, he should have been more proactive in some of those games to at least get them game time. And especially in the final, I don't understand how you bring on two of your best attacking players. I know one of them's injured, but you bring on Sancho in 115 minutes? You don't even give him enough game time to affect the game? You give Grealish that time, you don't give Sancho that time, and you have four subs going into the 115th minute? That's where I drew the line. I thought he did yeah, everything well, well up to that final, and he lost it. And I think that's where here, the issue Here's where I disagree with you. You're talking about de- defensive solidity. That wasn't his plan. Def- Italy were defensively solid, right? Uh, Denmark, defensively. Like, there are a lot of defensively solid teams that played really good defense in this tournament. You know what England did? Not a damn thing. That was their whole thing. Their whole plan wasn't to be good on defense. Their whole plan was never do a single thing that could possibly be a mistake. Never go forward. Ever. Never have any possession. Ever. 
they lucked into basically all of their possession because they couldn't figure out how to give it away without it being considered a mistake. He would have given you the ball if it wasn't a negative. Like, that's the thing that drives me nuts about Southgate is he is so scared of being the England that made a mistake. He never gave them any chance to go forward. And that is a huge difference from, like, he's worse than Didier Deschamps. And Deschamps can't get out of his own head defensively either. There's that watch beep we talked about. I know, about. <laughs> and I can't stop it. I, I don't... But... Technology <laughs> technology from the 1990s, I can't fix it. I can't stop you it. Have the hour, you have the hourly beep, don't I you? I do have the hourly beep. I have no way to kill yeah, that. Anyway, not, not important. Continue anyway, your point, Jake. Like, Deschamps at least... Like lets some of his creative players be creative when they have the ball, and then just like demands that they be extremely rigid when they don't. Southgate never even gave him that, and that just drives me insane. Yeah, the way he did the double pivot, but like he put Rice in really bad positions constantly. Rice is not supposed to do the kind of running Rice was doing. He's not good at it. He's extremely uncomfortable. Like my like tactics Twitter was just constantly like, why the fuck is Rice? you know, here, like, he treated him like he was another Calvin Phillips instead of like he was Granite Jaka, and that's kind of what Rice needs to be treated as. Like, somebody who has the game in front of him so he can do the simple things. Yeah, and no, I think that's a good point. Just, like, lots of lots of issues like that. Um, never vet, like, there were little things like uh, uh, Sokka and Grealish combined really, really well together. They got along really great in and camp. And he never played them. Uh, they played together like once in one game. And it's just like, I'm not, I'm, you know me, I, I'll take all the soccer I can get. I'm an Arsenal fan. But like, if you're going to play them and you're going to be so reserved, you have to value combinations, right? You have to yeah. value these the guys possession you figure do it out have. together. The possession you do right. have, you need to make use of that with the guys you have. Yeah. You know, like, Mason Mount never really had an offensive... Like, he's an offensive player. He's really, really good structurally, and that's why he played as the 10 in all these games. But, like, so much left on the table. Yeah, I mean... And then you get to the final, and just one of the most mismanaged games I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't think the argument's against Mount either. I I actually liked what Mount brought to a lot of those games. No, I love Mason Mount. Yeah, I think... It's how he was used that drives me nuts. It was the issue with... Okay, you've deployed Mount for sixty minutes in a final. My my big thing is like I get. We and I think I think uh, you and I love the Stadio podcast that's put on by Ringer. Of course, by the Ringer FC. Um, I don't know who made the comment on the last one, but somebody mentioned that Mancini had like the cojones to pull off Lorenzo Insigne towards the end of the match, right when they were definitely going yeah. to extra time, right. I think that's kind of, I mean, you're going to, I feel like you're going to talk about this in a second, but this is what separates Mancini from Southgate, is that Southgate had the balls to make subs to try and win the game when he had it. Correct. And give them, to have their players be ready for the penalty kicks. Yes. Whereas Southgate was like, well, these guys are the penalty takers, i got to throw them at on at the last minute. 116 minutes on a corner kick, which you and I were both watching, we were like, that's a dumb idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Chris, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. He... I don't know. I don't necessarily think Mancini was playing for penalties. I think he he definitely wasn't. No, I don't think he was. But at the same time, <laughs> he, he, they, they he knew it, forward pretty comfortably. He knew his team could handle either situation, right? 
Right, he wasn't worried about penalties. No, it was not a concern. His idea was to win it in 120 minutes once they got to extra and, time. And the annoying thing about about England was you could feel English fans and the team just clench harder oh, and yeah. harder with every minute. Yeah. Oh, of course. Like for a reason. Like you have one of the worst histories in the world with with penalties. Just this this extreme taboo around penalties that's ruined your international. Like, Gareth Southgate, Southgate's, like, entire reputation has this this stain of being a guy who missed a penalty in uh, the Euros. Yeah, Euro uh, 98. the World Cup. I can't it remember. It was Euro 98. But, but yeah, you know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, that, it just, it's, it's what he's known for. When he was given the England job, people are like, this guy? The guy who missed the 98 penalty? Like, yeah. And now you've, you've, you go into this, you don't try and win it an extra time, and yet you know everyone on your team is scared of pens, and then you put them in the worst possible position. You, you put two guys who didn't pl- who didn't touch the ball except for a clearance from Rashford. Yeah. And Bakayo Saka, a 19-year-old who has yet to take a professional penalty for Arsenal. Yep. And those are your three, four, five penalty And Jaden Sancho, who doesn't take penalties for Dortmund either. So... I think yeah, I think he's like two of three in his career. Yeah, like and, just and like Rashford has more experience, what? but at the same time, like he he's never when when when. And, and I think I think yeah. Rashford actually like did a good job in his penalty. He like, did. He, he missed the easy part, and yeah. that's like a thing that happens sometimes. Like the other two, Sancho's penalty was just bad. I think Sancho's penalty was just. But he's not a penalty a pretty, taker. That he's never been. He isn't. He isn't. He's but never like, been. And I. That's yeah. No, I agree with you on that one. I, I know. What, I know what point you're and, about to throw out there too. And like, Sokka's, I'm not that mad at. Like that's one of the where like the keeper guessed the right way. And it also. Yeah. And and there's just a little bit of like he needs to sell it just a little bit harder in the run up. Like if you if you shape just a little wider and slow your kick just a little bit more, you might get him done. But like. That one works if the guy dives the wrong way. Everyone thinks you're a genius. I, I'm not that mad. I think I think Sancho's was just hit real weak. Yeah, I mean, kind of silly, and he didn't sell anything. But another thing with Sokka, either too, way, is like, who the hell puts? And you're gonna have to remind me on Sokka's age, Jake. But nineteen. My, yeah. Who the hell? Like, okay, so Sancho's twenty one, Rashford's twenty three. Who the hell puts a nineteen year old who has never taken a professional penalty in their entire life, in their entire professional career? Even if England got to that point where Sancho and Rashford made theirs, right? Who the hell puts a 19-year-old it's wild. against one of the best keepers in the world in a penalty shootout? Who puts that kid up there? And, like, you have guys coming out on, on social media like Grealish who's like, I offer to take one. And I'm like, I, I have confidence in Grealish for him to make one of those because he's been in that situation. Grealish has been that guy for teams upon teams like he's never probably made a penalty in that situation but he's been that guy in that situation for a team that's had to claw its way out of like the depths of the championship you have guys who can take those like even slabhead put his fucking thing in the corner and killed the camera like you have guys outside of a 19 year old dude who is just beginning his career and i i i I don't care as much about Sancho, or uh, sorry, uh, I care a lot about Sancho. I don't care as much about Sokka as you guys do because he's obviously your player. But at the same time, I have to feel for the kid that you're going to put him in that spot. And, like, I get rest. Especially with a fan base like England. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's so easy to look at this and and swap Sokka and Rashford's position in yes. this order. Yes, exactly. Like, it exactly. Makes, it, it's, it's so easy. I get, yeah. It, like, and, and Rashford. And, and that makes sense to me as well because, like, Rashford missed. 
he is a good penalty taker. He's like 11 of 13 in his career. And he, 11 he's of hit 14 some incredible now, ones, which we can talk about later. Right, and he, and he was like 11 of 11 until that weird penalty-taking virus hit United like two years ago. Yeah, I mean, so he's... Like he was perfect until he missed and one And then there. we've had Bruno he's do a, everything, he's a, but yeah. yeah right, no, he's, he's a good penalty-taker with a history of being a good penalty-taker. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. England's strategy, apparently, they said on the broadcast, is like, England is famous for just uh, making its best players go first and just, like, going down the order. And it's like, tactically, that is among the stupidest strategies I've ever heard. Also true. Because your fifth penalty is, like, so extremely important. Yeah. but Having your fourth and fifth guys be good is, like, the third penalty is, like, the one you can kind of get away with because usually there's some noise in there. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't know. What, what it, are you doing? It, it, and, yeah, I mean, there's there's numerous technical nuances we could go over that final. I don't think I don't think Southgate had a wrong idea, but I do agree with you, Jake. Like, if you look back at some of the defensive performances from some of those players, outside of, like, Shaw, Walker, and Maguire, I would say that there were some, like, questionable, questionable plays. They got lucky a few times. They definitely got lucky with Denmark, but... I would say that you do need an element of luck to be able to get there as well. Right. Well, that's when you were listing off the defensive teams, it's like also luck. Like, yes, they all were defensive teams that won titles, but really. They had a lot of luck. Really Yeah, lucky. exactly. And you need like, some luck to be able to get Portugal there. You said Portugal drew their way to the finals. Like, when you take penalties more than once in a tournament, you're just, you're just you're, you're betting on luck, hundred ten percent. Yeah, and then like Ed Air hitting a hitting a long shot on the ground of all things, and like the hundred fourteenth minute that finds its way into the corner against France. Like right, you know, just that's pure just, luck. But I mean, he, and, and he bought that's my he problem the ticket, with this. Got like, the raffle and won the raffle rather. There's there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Southgate's job, like he got them to a, a quarterfinal uh, or a semifinal, semifinal excuse the me, World the World Cup, Cup and then a and then a final and here. Uh, you know, he's unimpeachable. It's like, I hated every minute of both of those campaigns. And the thing is, like, I, it doesn't it, matter. It, yep, it, the it thing doesn't, is, that's a result But, like, also, other than English exceptionalism, there was absolutely no reason during any of those campaigns to think they were going to win the title. Not a not a one. The thing is, no, that was the nobody second went into this best who English team England ever. Who didn't want England to win and was like, hmm. I really favor England here. Yeah, this is... There's just you no can say all that, and they still because made we, the final. Yeah, and because we And knew. he deserves all the credit for that. But, you can but, say that he had mistakes in the final, but he still he got, got a team there. there that allowed two goals the entire tournament. He got them there. And they were not... None of them from the run of play. But this is a... But yeah, that's actually a really good manager, point. You evaluate. That is an amazingly good point. Both of those goals that that team submitted, however lucky we consider them to be, were both from set pieces. One was a weird free kick, which was... A, phenomenal strike from Damsgaard and like Pickford just lost it in the sun or lost it in the sauce mm-hmm. or just I don't know I'm not I'm not covering like Pickford and Goyer for that one like but the second one yeah. uh, a really jammy header from like and that that's where that's also Southgate's fault for inviting that amount of pressure however both goals from set pieces against the run of play right well maybe not the Italy one yeah. but the definitely the Denmark one so yeah but they also weren't a and- threat in any of the games like they they also didn't win any game other than uh, they won a lot of games. Uh, Last time I checked, they won every game except for yeah, the, Scotland the Scotland game. game. Yeah, I I, I, I appreciate right. okay. where you're coming from. No, where they didn't no. appreciate. They they won the game. They did not win the game. They didn't make anyone go. Wow, we're winning this game. 
Right, not a not a once. Except if you the, remember, go if Ukraine you go back to the one, World Cup, the Ukraine one they did. Right, except the Ukraine, <laughs> the Ukraine one. one. By the way, Ukraine the is in the and the German one too. Team. Yeah, they they controlled the, they they controlled the game from where they could. Yeah, go back and watch the German. I did, I did, I did. All right, I am a it, Germany it, fan. By, Ger- by Germany was actually better that game and just. But they got they did, didn't get didn't they get didn't it? get the luck that blew their way like that that miss from Mueller that and that that's got the thing them, the miss from Havertz you go back to the World Cup run Southgate got to the semifinal exclusively on luck they were not good that was exclusively a set piece team they, yeah lucking its way through I mean through. but like they knew what they were they they got a lot better <laughs> this year I'm not defending Southgate's ability to like coach an offensive team the dude knew how to play here's the thing though. the only reason Southgate's still coaching is because England's coaching ranks. They will never hire an outside coach. What, you mean, right? You're you not going to hire you mean, an non-English like, coach. You don't like Big Sam coaching the coaching the no. national team. No, and that's that's the thing. That's the only reason he's Scarf still coaching the national team. Or, or, uh, Steve, is that they big, don't big have a good Steve. coach because the English coaching uh, ranks suck. You don't want to watch like Big Steve Bruce just like pile hot dogs into his mouth while or pile a shepherd's pie down that you know down that big face of his while 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 managing Harry Kane. Don't want to watch uh, that. No, no, I don't. No? All right, that's. Sad, Jake. I'm very sad about that. You don't want to watch Fat Man manage the English national team. I'm really mad. I can't remember who the guy is. Steve Bold. Steve Bold was maybe the most successful English coach in, like, recent years. And that's because he won a Champions League with uh, the Arsenal women and has, like, done a shit ton for, like... That's that's where all the good English coaching is. Like Emma Hayes is a better English coach than most English men's division. coaches. Yeah, no, I'm 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 just making I'm that's, having that's a, the only place. Like, Jake, I'm having I know, a I know laugh. you're having a laugh. I'm not actually serious I, about and, it, and I get that. This is just something that drives me insane because we, of course, only get English media. We're English speakers. Like we get inundated with this idea that England has been doing super well, when in reality. English fans should be livid that they have all of this talent that is just being thrown around willy-nilly. <laughs> like, it, it pisses me off that this should have been such a fucking fun English cycle with, like, Calvin Phillips spraying balls around to such an awesome front line. No, 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 no fun. The thing is, though, I think, I hope, and let's be positive here, I, I hope that Southgate has learned his lesson from this one. I hope this is a... Because he's definitely staying in the job. I, I think he. Uh, I don't think he. He's actually bettered his result from the last tournament, and I think the next one will be telling. Right? We've improved incrementally. You could argue, right? Semifinal, final, and now, what do we do next? Right? So I think that the next. And for those of you who are, um, I know this is a podcast that gets a lot of basketball folks. So thank you. Um, Thank you for having on with us. However, what I will say is I would love to see you guys enjoy the next World Cup cycle with us because I think you will learn a lot about the England team there. I also, also think the, the Americans will be good. Don't don't <laughs> you jinx us, damn it. Don't yeah, don't, don't you that. jinx me. I am I'm still scarred from that weird long shot that that Trinidad and Tobago player hit on on Tim Howard that like That looped. American team was not good. This American team is totally different. It was now. not good. It is much better now. What I will say folks is stick with Still us. Still not convinced Burhalter is good. Stick but. stick with us for the World Cup cycle. We got a lot of young kids who are really good and I think you're going to get a lot of storylines that are very juicy and I think you're not even the NBA finals, even the NBA playoffs, I don't think can generate the same amount of storylines that a World Cup can, right? For the separate countries. 
maybe that's... Also, soccer is really fun. It is also really fun. It's really fun. fun. <laughs> and also, your understanding of space and movement from basketball translates pretty much perfectly. And the, ball, they, the ball's they, about, they balls about exactly the same, the same size. I'm going to argue that. The ball's about the same size. So... Nets are a lot bigger. Nets are a lot bigger, but Turns very much harder to use score. Their hands nearly as much. The patron saint of this podcast, <laughs> Dimitar Berbatov, used to play soccer with a basketball. Whoa, now. So. Whoa, Dimitar now. Berbatov, I don't know my, about my, that my one. Dog used to play soccer with a basketball. So shout out, Dim, shout out to shout out patron to Berbatov. Patron saint of this podcast. Santi Cazorla laughs at you. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was Bubakar uh, Barry Copa. He was the first person I shouted out. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, I'm pretty sure that was uh, who's your fucking United left back that you oh, John, John O'Shea? O'Shea? No, he's not the Patriots. Fan. All your goddamn John O'Shea references. John O'Shea. Um, he nutmeg Figo. That's all you need. So to something I forgot to mention. Going back to penalties, real quick. Oh, don't do that. Adrenaline. This is something that's insane to me. We don't talk enough about how much like adrenaline impacts sporting events, and how like absolutely fucked. Like we 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 say like come on cold, for like the the guys like Rashford and uh, Sancho, they didn't just come on cold. They came on cold immediately. Get the oh shit! I'm in the finals. Rush of adrenaline. Which by the way, the first rush of adrenaline tends to freeze motor functions. Yeah. <laughs> and it- and it takes like several minutes to like begin the ability to like process. Yeah. While not to mention under the effects cup, of adrenaline, it's a cup and, final in your your country's most historic stadium, Wembley. Right, right. You're in Wembley just, in front of you know. It was supposed to be like 60, thirty thousand. It was sixty thousand was, was the original estimate. It ended up being like sixty three to sixty four, and even the like, commentators are like, that, yeah. "Oops, right. that's not supposed to happen." <laughs> right. So you're in front of all that, and then it's like, okay. You come on, you don't even have time to process your adrenaline, and then you're in the biggest clutch situation of your yeah. like. It was I, painful. I can't process how, like, scientifically crazy that is to put people through that. That's insane. Yep. A um, couple things here. Just, just real quick hitters here. Uh, refereeing decisions. The studs on Graylish, how do you feel about that? Do you remember that? So, Jorginho yeah. comes down, steps on the ball... Like, tries to, like, trap the ball as Grealish slides through. Studs going to Grealish's thigh. How do you feel? Uh, I don't think a red card there impacts anything, orange, especially since uh, Jorginho misses his uh, I don't even think a orange. Pen. I think a yellow is perfect yeah, for that. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we... I think it's a red. We we kind of had the discussion. And it, so, I think it's dangerous play. I think that you could go either way on that one. Um, so, so, here's what I don't like on that, is Jorginho knows he's lost the ball. Right, he knows it, and you can tell he knows know it because he's right. trying. I think he. I, I can't. Nope, I don't nope. know what he's. Thinking. I can. I can prove it right now. I can prove it right now. He tries to trap the ball. He doesn't try to dribble the ball. Doesn't try to kick the ball. He tries to trap the ball. Trapping the ball is never ever going to do anything for you in that situation, right? It's that's an admission of surrender when you're trying to trap the ball. Because if you trap the ball and the guy slides through the ball, it's still a legal tackle, right? There's there's nothing he does there that can possibly be a a positive play for him and the one thing he does is stomp down with force in a risky way that, like it's one of those things and i'm not i'm not trying to say like he tried to injure Gray. that's not what i'm saying it's just like it's one of those things where as a sports person you have to look at that use your experience to know you know what this isn't going to end well for me and 
Leap over. It's a recovery. You're saying it's a recovery action that ends up hurting somebody because it was a recovery action. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's okay. it's a he goes he he you know it's and it's just one of those things like we have to normalize in sports just making that decision for the betterment of everyone around you. That and the other thing is like hey the horse collar tackle that's a red card. I had a lot of people being like the on Saka from Chiellini like a lot of people being like it's a shirt pull no no. Uh, the NFL can distinguish between shirt pulls and horse collar tackles. So can soccer. Yeah, but the NFL uh, also has a rule for that. I will say I didn't agree with it. I thought it was like it was definitely it, rough, and that's what the Italians do best. They can disguise but, but like, rough. Soccer has rules for that. They have language for like violent conduct. Yeah, and I, I, and I thought it was on excessive. The verge. And, I thought it was on the verge of violent and like, conduct. I agree. I'm just saying. I'm, like, I'm just saying one of those places where it's like. Also, it's Chiellini. Like as a referee, you should probably know. Like, he's not doing that just to be cynical. He's doing that to, like, bully a teenager. Because he knows he's going to get away with it. Because you're a coward when you're refereeing. So like, that's, it's a red card. That's but that's that's the thing that Italian center halves and defenders have been doing for years. Like, there's a reason why people stereotype the Italian. Defend, not, not just Italian people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but Italian defenders in Italian general is, like, soccer being kind of nasty. <laughs> being kind of, like, being kind of verbose, right? Falling over when you've been hit in the shin, or and then immediately getting up and then ripping someone's like shirt off by their back, right? That's one of those ones where you that's that emul that that basically personifies what the Italian defense is about. It's about playing nasty. It's, it's just one of those things where it's, it's like, about doing it on the edge of like a red to yellow card. They do that every time they play, and that's something that's stayed it, with them. It's one of those things where it's like, you know what? That was on the edge of a red card like 20 years ago. That edge has moved. We can all we all know it's moved. It has. But don't at the same don't time, horse collar tackle people because that gives people concussions and also is extremely likely to cause like ACL injuries. Time, we don't need it. Bjorn Kuipers did not give that as a red. He gave it as a yellow, and he knew he knew that was it was on that line. Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying is referees get your head out of your ass like. The, this whole thing of like, oh well, this is how we've officiated it in the past. Like, mm, yeah, don't care. That's what I'm saying. It's though, a red card. Like the... we, we we have we have a rule book that says you shouldn't do it, and if you do it, and you know, like alone shirt pull plus player kind of sort of threw on goal, definite yellow. Shirt pull that's not actually a shirt pull, but is a horse collar tackle with four. Not just like. Oh, he grabbed it. But and they I were don't both think stumbling. There's a rule like that shirt pull with force. That, I think the I th- there is. It's called violent conduct. I know, but that it's, it's and the, that's leaving violent it. Con- violent conduct is the same rule that says if you put two hands on a guy and shove him away, you can get a red so, card for that. Jake, I've seen I, that. I, and so, like, I do think I, it's, I think it's you have in a, the no, rules. I think you have a valid point. I'm just trying to get back to what you said. Right? Violent I, conduct I, makes I, sense. I understand. Here. I understand your point being it's not explicitly in the rules that a horse collar. Yes, like, and I that's that. that's what I'm saying. Like you do need something like that to cover that, and I think something hopefully will be written on that. Well, I just I, I mean, I'm agreeing. You know me. I I'm agreeing with you. I think violent conduct is too vague of a of a term to use. This right? You need more definition. It, it is. I think you need more definition. And, and I get what you're saying. It sh- it should be more defined most of soccer's rules should be more defined. agreed like th- we define scissor time, tackle yeah. and yet somehow scissor tackles aren't always red cards i don't get that personally yeah. no it, but like it, it, it's it's a lot of it's one of those things growth. where the broadness of the rule actually gives you so much leeway to just be like don't need it yeah and it, <laughs> Go. it's like relying like, on it's relying on the violent conduct rule to make a call when it's like 
the violent conduct rule could be from me stepping on your toe on purpose to a like a, like me kicking your head on a two-footed challenge right it's 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 so broad right. and it's very much up to discretion of the referee and so i agree with you i think it needs more like clear definition of like hey you know that thing you saw in that world cup fi- or in that euro cup final that needs to be classified as this and then you have a case study for right. it and unfortunately no, i i'm i'm all for more like it's one of those things like if he if he'd slid and just like taken his feet out like you know what yellow card don't kick that there's an upgrade there and that's i i'm so exhausted by seeing that over and over and soccer not changing it yeah, well um so wrapping this up that was the last wrapping thing this up we've had we've had quite a quite a discussion on it but I will say congratulations to Italy. It was a like we I think we all agreed Absolutely. here. Um, Chris, you as well. Um, I think Italy very much deserved this. I, I kind of pegged them as the early favorites um, in the group stage, at least within our own group chat, and I think they well deserved it with the ability to withstand multiple penalty shootouts, the ability to win multiple tough games against arguably the well not even arguably definitely the harder side of the the harder side of the bracket to get oh, yeah. into the, the mm-hmm. to get into the final. Uh, playing the better went team. through Belgium and Spain, like not just like a legitimately terrifying side of the bracket. Yes. Like easily the best yeah. team to come out of that side, and clearly the best team. In the I tournament. mean, they went through Belgium, they went through Spain, and they beat probably one of the best defensive teams of the tournament while they were down one nil. Yeah, they like, came back from that. Yeah, yeah. They, there's no question that, they deserve it. That's all the the hard team. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, very deserving champions. So, Jake. How are you going to wrap this one up? What do you got for us? <laughs> That's not my job. Webster's the host. He's been silent Web- for like 20 minutes now. <laughs> Fella, yeah, whenever Jake starts up. talking about refereeing, I just immediately tune nah, it out. No, it was so. a good discussion. <laughs> that is we a- called it back. I think Jake and I had the same points. I think we just took a little bit to get to each other. Yeah. Yep. All right, so on that note, of course, we did want to talk a little bit of Euro, talk a little bit of soccer to get you guys off what is going to be kind of a bit of repetitious uh, draft coverage. Uh, but we'll be back. Frankly, next week. I'm not doing draft prospects. We got Cade. Fuck it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing like 12 through 13 anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's no point. It's like it, it's Cade. <laughs> there's nothing else we want to talk about with it. It's just Cade. So to avoid you guys hearing the same exact thing every single week at a time, um, we decided to break it up a little bit. But we'll likely be back next week. The draft is what the 28th. Yeah. So right? we got two more weeks. I don't know, man. Yeah, either way, so, we'll. Net. We'll do we'll I do think, one more pod just covering more like draft strategy, especially like how me. do we want to use the second round? That's picks. too small. Too <laughs> Don't like. Do not. Do, too many handballs. Too, too many handballs. My, my my brother-in-law just goes. Too many points are scored. They're always <laughs> scoring. <laughs> not wrong. Uh, <laughs> not the Pistons I, I, usually, I, but I, not as wrong. A Pistons <laughs> fan who doesn't really know what the hell's going on, but by you know I, I lived I lived in Detroit for a bit. I, I have to say, Jake, can I say it? We got Cade. We got Cade! I don't know what that means other than, like, Cade cutting in. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's really you good. You did the thing, really Barks. You can go home now. We got Cade! So, yep, so we'll, we'll probably have soon. a podcast sometime next week, and then the week after I think we'll probably do a post-draft discussion there, talking with whoever else the Pistons draft, besides Cade, because we're speaking that one into existence. To make sure there's no curveballs or twists. So, um, provided there is no strange things that happen the next uh, between then and now. Goodbye. We'll see y'all later. We got Kate!
Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.